According to the father of psychology, Sigmund Freud, there are three parts of the human psyche. The ego, the id, and the superego. These are originally Latin terms meaning I, it, and upper I. In his 1915 paper, The Unconscious, Sigmund Freud used an iceberg as a metaphor for this triple structure of the mind. The part of the iceberg above water corresponds to the conscious parts of the mind. On the other hand, everything beneath the surface is unconscious. The ego is above the water. The id is beneath the water. The superego is a bit above and a bit below. Partly conscious, partly unconscious. Each part has its own nature and role within the mind. The conflicting interests of these three are the driving force of all human conflicts. In the beginning, there was the id. It is the only one of the three parts that we are born with. The other two elements develop later out of this id. This part of the mind is all nature and no nurture. Down here, all the physiological animal drives, impulses and instincts run wild. You can think of the id as the animal in you. Its voice is loud when you are hungry, when you are horny or any time you see red. It contains libido, which is the primary instinctual energy. The id is not organised according to logic. You can have contradictory impulses existing side by side without cancelling each other out. Take for example a hungover person who wants to drink and also wants not to move. These impulses contradict each other but they are coming from the same place. The organising principle of the id is the pleasure principle. It works by what feels good. What society thinks doesn't really matter. Reality doesn't matter. The id is about desire and pleasure. Everything else is irrelevant. According to psychoanalyst Bruno Bettelheim, there is a quirk to the original German word for the id that got lost in translation. The original German term das S is neuter. That is to say that unlike der Mann, the man, or die Frau, the woman, das S is neither masculine nor feminine. The same goes for the German word for child, das Kind. Thus in German, the word child, das Kind, is of neuter gender. During their early years, all Germans have the experience of being referred to by means of the neuter pronoun S. This fact gives the phrase das S a special feeling, reminding the German reader that this is how he was referred to before he learned to repress many of his sexual, aggressive and otherwise asocial impulses. Reminds him of a time when his entire existence was dominated by the it. These memories, even when one is not conscious of them, permit a much more immediate empathy with what Freud meant when he used the term for the unconscious. We often think of the powerful impulses which overwhelm us as the devil on our shoulder. It is difficult to have sympathy for the devil. Making a devil and an it out of the unconscious is not the foundation of a great relationship. But this connection between the id and the child helps. When a child throws a temper tantrum in the sweets and confectionery aisle, we don't think of them as evil. We say they don't know better. That is a helpful attitude to cultivate towards the id. It's not trying to derail you and is not scheming against you. The id is pure nature burning inside of you. It is a furnace of desire. Those desires may not align with the agenda of the superego or reality, but that's not the concern of the id. The tantrum-throwing child isn't evil. That's not to say you should indulge them. It means their inability to control their desire is understandable. So let's take a look at a few of the traits of the id. It is an engine of desires, impulses and drives. It's pleasure-seeking. It's unresponsive to demands of reality and social mores. We find that contrary impulses can exist side by side in the id. It is selfish and willful. 
It is characterized by strong emotions and by short-term thinking and seeking of instant gratification. It is the inner child slash devil on your shoulder. It is governed by the pleasure principle. And finally, it is the home of libido. The mechanism of the id is desire and temptation, i.e. if you want it badly enough, you will do it. Where the id is I want, the superego is I should. The superego is the counterbalance to the id in the psyche. It is two parts, the conscience and the ego ideal. The conscience is the integrated shoulds and should nots of our culture. It is the moral code internalized from our parents and society. We fail to adhere to this moral code, the superego punishes us with feelings of guilt and shame. When the id says, I don't want to go to bed, the superego says, you must go to bed. And not only that, but you must brush your teeth as well. The second aspect of the superego is the ego ideal. This is the inner vision of your best self. Aligning with your ego ideal leads to feelings of pride, value and accomplishment. The superego is not concerned with instant gratification like the id. This part of the mind turns on long-term thinking. Everything it does is an attempt to align you with your ideal self and to steer you away from bad behaviours. It's always trying to move you towards what you should be. You can think of the superego as the angel on your shoulder. The traits of the superego include striving to act in a socially acceptable manner, characterised by feelings of guilt, shame and inadequacy. It is the voice of authority internalised from your parents and society. It is characterized by long-term thinking, and you can think of it as the inner parent slash angel on your shoulder. The mechanism of the superego is using negative emotions to slam on the brakes. It makes you feel bad to curb your enthusiasm. The logic is that if you feel bad enough, you will take heed of it. On the flip side, with the ego ideal side of the superego, the mechanism is positive emotions, such as pride and feelings of value and accomplishment, as you align with it more and more. The ego has got an even worse reputation than the superego. It has become a slur and punching bag for everything that's wrong in the world. One reason for this is due to the translation of Freud's concept into English. In the original German, the ego is das Ich, which means the I. Unlike ego, it is not a foreign or a technical word, but something a German would hear and use every day of their lives. The disconnection between the term ego and everyday language paved the way for the errant evolution of the term in English-speaking countries. But this reputation shows a lot of ingratitude. The ego is nothing more or less than the I of the individual. It is your conscious thinking mind that you identify with. And it has a tough job. It has to serve three masters. It has the shoulds of the superego and the impulses of the id to contend with, as we already know. And, as if holding its ground between this rock and that hard place wasn't complicated enough, it also has to serve reality. These three masters lead the ego round in a loop. Sometimes the id and reality tug one way and superego tugs the other way. Think of youth culture and peer pressure. Sometimes reality sides with the superego, but the id is determined to go in the opposite direction, which is a common situation in crime. The ego is the balancer. Ideally, it is the judging faculty evaluating which course to take. Sometimes it's just a slave to the loudest voice, be it id or superego. Consciousness itself was born out of this conflict of interests. The id in you bubbles up with impulses and the superego tries to tug you the other way. Out of this conflict, the ego arises. The ego's job is to adjudicate between the many demands in the psyche and the world. The ego casts the deciding vote. The traits of the ego are that it is the reality principle. It serves three masters, id, superego and the external world. 
Its task is to find balance between the internal drives and the external reality while satisfying the id and superego, and it is characterized by judgment, decision-making, conscious thinking, and evaluation. These are the three parts of your mind according to Freud. The id tells you what you want, the superego tells you what you should do, and your ego makes the final call. The happiest days are when your ego and id are in alignment with reality and everything moves swimmingly. As we all know, such days are rare. The journey in life is learning to find a biting point where everyone at the table leaves content. That's everything for this episode of The Living Philosophy. If you have any thoughts, insights or feedback, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments. Otherwise, I shall see you next time. Thank you for watching.